Hello, friend. Welcome back. This is the final episode of Echo Park. Now, can you believe that we have gone through six seasons together? That's six different stories, all very different, um, but all very thrilling from the Triangle to Outliers to Memory Lane to others and now Echo Park. But what tied them all together, in my mind principally, is this word from our sponsor. Hey, friends. It's Fred Greenhalgh here, producer and head of audio here at Realm. There's a new show I think you'll be interested in called Ominous Thrill. It's an anthology of character-driven dark fiction. In its next episode, titled Being True, Stuart hits his breaking point and turns to the dark web to order the end of a troublesome client. But the mysterious woman who answers his call proves to have even darker needs of her own. Here's a short preview. You want to know why? I, okay. Because I can't live like this anymore. I need this solved once and for all. Then do this yourself. I have fantasized about that so many times. How it would happen, what it would be like, feel like. I just, I need help. Professional help. Ominous Thrill is out now, everywhere you listen. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Okay, that's a little tongue-in-cheek. I mean, it's technically true, but it is tongue-in-cheek. Uh, what has really bonded all of these stories together, despite different settings, besides very different main characters, very different lives that we're exploring, uh, and I, I maintain this is the, the the true characteristic that ties all these things together, it is the experience. It is the twists, it is the turns, it is the dizzying heights, it is the incredible lows, and as it is on Adrenaline on Realm, it is also the fantastic performances derived from amazing writing tied together by some astonishing production. So anyway, let's get down to the final episode of Echo Park. As you recall, back from before episode seven, uh, Terrence was on his way, Terry, as James calls him, is on his way to see Sophia, who we just learned a lot Mia about. You see what I did there? Yes, you did. Of course you did. I will see you after the episode. Enjoy. Terrence, Brentwood Park, August 20th. My phone vibrates as I step out of the car in front of Sophia Newhouse's address. It shows a series of texts from James. I swipe to dismiss them all. I'm not interested in talking to him right now. Maybe not ever again. Sophia's house is ultra-modern. Solar panels on the roof. Privacy glass with software-adjustable tints. An electric smart car is parked out front. 
I wonder what Mia Capricorn, who lived in Elysian City Heights projects, would have thought of her source having such upscale digs. Mia could never have dreamt of living here. Cost aside, fancy rentals like this require background checks designed for echoes to fail. Another text from James. I consider turning it off, but it feels vindictively good to ignore James while he begs for attention. It isn't often that I'm the one in control. James again. This time he's calling. I hit decline. I have shit to do. I don't want to talk to you. I'm hanging up and then I'm blocking you. Benny Gemini's dead. James sounds panicked. It takes a moment to process the words. How, how do you know? The police found his body. I'm at the station. I sent you screenshots. J just look. The front door swings open and Sophia Newhouse stares at me, holding a duffel bag. Terrence? Is everything okay? Jesus, is that Sophia? Benny's dead, Terrence, which means she wasn't telling the truth about him. Get the fuck out of there, Terry. I reply loudly. I I'm sorry, Xander. This really isn't a good time. Uh, you can't keep calling me outside of office hours, okay? Sophia points at her car. I'm on my way out. Walk and talk? I nod as she closes and locks her front door. Xander, do those meditation exercises like I told you. Sit still, stay quiet, and just listen. Got that? James's reply is shaky. Yes, but be careful. I will. Bye, Xander. Sophia loads her duffel bag into the electric car. I turn down the volume on my phone and quickly pull up the images in my text. I feel sick, looking at Benny's half-rotten human face. Benny Gemini, Mia Capricorn's partner, the prime suspect in her murder. But if Benny is dead, if he's been dead long enough to decompose, if someone buried him in a cemetery to hide his body, what does that mean about Mia's killer? I shove my phone into the front pocket of my jeans. Sophia checks her phone, then drops it into her purse. What was so important you had to come find me at home, Terrence? Roque, I blurt. I need to keep Sophia talking. Distract her so she doesn't decipher the expression on my face or notice the sweat building on my palms. What's happening with Roque? They're not acting like themselves. And I'm worried. You know, I, I, I talk to them myself, but I, I mean, you know our history, so I thought maybe you could help. You know, talk to Roque for me. They'll listen to you. They care about you, Sophia. She's nodding, lips pursed, as she roots in her purse for her keys. I dare a step closer to her. After everything you helped us with at the retreat, I know we can trust you. It's more of a question than I want it to be. Of course. That's the moment Sophia withdraws her hand from her purse. She wasn't reaching for keys. She aims a handgun at my face. This is all very interesting, but I'm on a schedule here. Let's go for a ride. James. I hit the mute button. My exhalation fogs up the screen, growing faster the longer I listen to what's happening between Terrence and Sophia on the other end. I stumble out of the police bullpen toward the kitchen area, looking for water. Has the kitchen always been this far away? Every step feels like it takes a million years as I move my legs through invisible muck. I hear Terrence pleading with her. Sophia, Sophia, please just calm down, okay? Put the gun away. Gun? 
My pulse spikes. I lose my balance and throw out one arm, pressing my hand against the wall to steady myself. As I do, my hand slips, and I accidentally touch the phone screen. Call ended. I stare at the phone wide-eyed. Fuck! Terrence has just been kidnapped by Sophia Newhouse, and I just lost our only line of connection. But if Terrence is in danger, I have to help him. The rideshare driver makes it as far as he can. I specifically requested a human driver to increase the chances of getting around any obstacles, even if it means breaking a few traffic regulations. We already ran three red lights, went the wrong way down a one-way street, and made two illegal U-turns. But any police who saw us have bigger fish to fry. Finally, we hit an actual roadblock, another Echo's rights protest. The street beyond is completely filled with people, some with homemade signs, others waving their fists in the air. Everybody is furious, on edge, waiting for the spark to ignite another riot. I end the ride, thanking the driver and tipping them exorbitantly. Then, I step out of the air-conditioned car into a warm, wet breeze that immediately feels sticky. Oh yeah, I'm still sweating out drugs. I fumble with my wallet while walking to the police cordon. A stocky uniform officer holds up a palm. Sorry sir, you can't come through here. I hold up my county ID. Civil advisor, I was called up to this location. You got plain clothes up there. I don't know. I'm not asking you. Look, I'm telling you. I'm going to deal with this shit, Officer McNally. Batch number 30509. You're recording, right? He blanches. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of, of, of course I'm. I lean down and put my face right up against his badge, so the embedded body cam has a clear view. Los Angeles County Civil Advisor for Public Safety, James Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G, access code 7191024, moving on. I stumble over the barricade and push my way into the seething crowd. Terrence, I hope James is getting useful information on the other end of this phone call. I'm running out of plausible things to ask Sophia. You killed both of them, Mia. Benny? Sophia's mouth twitches. Not quite a smile. The car is driving itself, leaving both her hands free to hold the gun on me. This isn't therapy. I don't want to talk, Terrence. Everyone wants to talk. Look, I'll, I'll take you on as a patient, so everything you tell me is confidential, okay? Sophia laughs. <laughs> is this where I give you a dollar? And you write me a receipt so everything will stand up in court? This isn't a stupid movie. That's not how the world works. We talk a good game in the circle, but we need to think beyond it. I feel sick. We? Oh my god. The pieces finally click into place. I jerk upright. You're... You're M Mia. Mia Capricorn. Alpha clone. Not so dead after all twitches her gun at my chin. Well, shit, Terrence. You got me talking after all. You must be an excellent therapist. I stare at the muzzle of the gun. You... you killed Sophia. Sophia, who was so kind to us growing up. She was the first person to really talk to us about the outside world. To try to prepare us for integrating with society. Mia just tisked. I replaced Sophia. She didn't deserve this life any more than you or I deserve to grow up in a prison camp. I flinch. The retreat wasn't... Spoken like a true beta. Are you actually going to defend those rich fucks? They made us on a shitty whim and discarded us on a shittier one. 
Look, I'm, I'm not defending them, but why Benny? Weren't you two partners? No, he never listened to me. Never wanted to hear my side. He was only using me to fulfill his childhood crush on Sophia. I reach a hand toward her. Mia, just talk to me. We can figure this out together. She raises the gun. No, but you are going to help me with something. Now that they've found Benny's body, there will be all sorts of questions circling. You're going to help me tie up loose ends. My gaze drifts to the gun again. What kind of loose ends? No more questions! I don't want to kill you, Terrence. I don't want to kill anyone. They just made me so... Just help me with one thing, okay? Then you'll never see me again. Nobody else needs to know. Keep it inside the circle, right? All right, Mia. There's no way in hell Mia is going to let me go. Not after telling me all this. But I nod anyway. What am I going to do? Piss off the woman with the gun? As much as I hate to admit it. James is my only hope of salvation now. It takes me nearly half an hour to move four blocks east through the crowd of protesters. People keep recognizing my face and calling out, Terrence! That draws even more attention. And when people see my injuries, they assume it's police brutality, and I have to talk them down. I do my best to steer people away from the police, who move on the crowd with riot shields, batons, and handheld sonic pulsers. LAPD has strict regulation around sound-based non-lethals. They can only fire in short bursts to reduce the risk of permanent hearing damage. Of course, that doesn't stop officers from modifying their equipment. And I definitely spot a few shirking this rule. I break away from a line of sign-carrying echoes and make for a lone uniform in an empty parking lot barricaded with police cars. You! There! Officer! Cap's interface! I hold my county ID aloft, trusting that the uniform's display goggles will pick up the coded signal. That's close enough! The young officer waves at me his eyes moving as he scans the information in his goggles. Okay, I got you, CA Zhang. What do you need? I need you to call down monitoring drones. They've got officers using illegally modified sonics. The uniform's face scrunches. I take advantage of the rookie hesitation. Do you know what kind of liability those assholes are exposing the department to? If any protesters lose their hearing, it's just we don't have drones to spare. We're enforcing a traffic perimeter all around Echo Park. I am making a formal request as civil advisor. You remember all this is being recorded, right? I point at his badge for good measure. Is the timestamp going to show you waited an entire minute before acting to protect people? Okay, okay. Dispatch, this is Seaberg at Logan, and- I punch him as hard as I can. Seaberg goes down immediately. I catch him before he hits the ground. Seaberg, dispatch, say that again. I pitch my voice up to imitate the rookie. Dispatch, Seaberg, disregard, 1040, out. That satisfies the dispatcher. I drag Seaberg to the nearest police car, open the door, and sit him down inside. Then I use his palm to unlock the dash computer and hope the rookie has high enough access to run a trace. He does. I enter Terrence's cell phone number. The dashboard lights up with a street map and zooms in on a blinking red dot. Terrence. At the speed he's moving, he must be in a car. Sophia's car. They're headed toward Echo Park. I start the police car, then drag Seaberg out and lay him on the ground. After a moment of hesitation, I grab Seaberg's badge and pin it to my shirt. Then I instruct the car to follow Terrence. 
hear the pulse of the crowd through the closed windows of Mia's car as we drive past. The front entrance to the circle building is completely blocked by a throng of people pushing against the police barricade. One officer on a loudspeaker tells the crowd to disperse or they'll be arrested for unlawful assembly. Why are we here? I ask. Mia ignores me, tapping on the navigation controls with one hand while keeping the gun on me with the other. The car zigzags to the circle's back entrance in an alley off Alvarado. A single uniformed police officer stands outside. He shouts and waves as he walks towards the car. Mia stops the car and lowers the gun out of sight. Get out! Tell him anything but the truth. I open my door. I know exactly what to say. Greetings, fellow public servant. The cop has one hand on his holster. Sir, you can't be here. This is a restricted area. I'm authorized to be here. Don't you recognize me, officer? I'm James Zhang, civil advisor to the Los Angeles police. Mia leaps out of the car and points her gun at the cop. The officer's hands fly up. Don't fucking move. Get his gun, James. I mutter an apology as I pull the cop's gun out of its holster. It's heavier than I expected. Before I can turn, Mia's on top of me, reaching over my shoulder to press something against the cop's neck. The man's eyes go glassy, and he crumples to the ground. What the fuck was that? I cry. He'll be fine. I'm not dumb enough to kill a cop. Get inside. We're going to the basement. Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh here, producer and head of audio here at Realm. There's a new show I think you'll be interested in called Ominous Thrill. It's an anthology of character-driven dark fiction. In its next episode, titled Being True, Stuart hits his breaking point and turns to the dark web to order the end of a troublesome client. But the mysterious woman who answers his call proves to have even darker needs of her own. Here's the short preview. You want to know why? Okay. Because I can't live like this anymore. I need this solved once and for all. Then do this yourself. I have fantasized about that so many times. How it would happen, what it would be like, feel like. I just, I need help. Professional help. Ominous Thrill is out now, everywhere you listen. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. James, when my stolen police cruiser pulls up to the back of the circle, I find an abandoned EV in the alley, an unconscious uniform officer on the ground, and the fire door flung open. All of these things indicate a very bad situation. But I've already made my decision. No matter what it takes, I'm getting Terrence out of here safely. I step into the church, wincing as the floorboards creak. I freeze for a moment, straining my ears. I don't hear a thing. I walk into the hallway next to the kitchen and catch voices echoing from somewhere far away. I follow the sound down a set of basement stairs, treading lightly on the outside of each one. Haven't decided about your partner yet. A woman's voice. Ex-partner. Hey, I believe in you too. I'll help rekindle the flame. <laughs> I move quickly until I see around the shelves at the bottom of the stairs. I poke my head out and spot Roque in the center of the basement arms raised. Facing them, backs turned my way, are Sophia and Terence. Sophia holds two guns, one for each hand. Terence lies on the floor, bleeding from his lower lip. Roque spots me. For a brief second, their eyes widen. They give a single quick head shake. I slide back behind the shelves. This is even worse than I imagined. I don't suppose you care that killing Echoes is still murder, Mia, Roque says. Mia? The realization hits me. Too late. Mia killed Sophia and took her place. An actual case of source replacement. Just what the masses fear from Echoes. I bite my lip. How will the rest of the world react to this? Meanwhile, Mia scoffs. <laughs> You're right. I don't. What I care about are Iskander Aquarius's private files. What private files? Roque asks. I know you have access. I just want a copy. I really don't know what- Cut the bullshit, Roque. You want Terence to lose more teeth? At the sound of his name, Terence groans. I inspect the shelves I'm hiding behind, searching for something, anything to use as a weapon. Think about what you're asking me to do, Mia. Our people gave Iskender that information and confidence. We can't betray the Circle's trust. Oh, trust me, Roque. I'm helping our people. I might be the only one who really can. What the hell does that mean? I can't tell you yet, but you know we need more allies outside the Circle. We've tried that, 
What do you think we've been doing all this time? With the church, with Terrence's work in the community, hell, even his source, fuck that! You think the sources care about us? Just because they pass some laws? We're lab rats to them. We'll never have power unless we take it. So this is your solution? Echoes kill our sources and take over their lives? We have as much right to these lives as they do. Maybe more. Just look at James Zhang. Look at everything that fuckboy has. Did he earn any of it? Did he have to work for it? No. He just had the good fortune to be selected. While poor Terry was discarded like trash. The hell are you talking about, Mia? We were experiments. You said it yourself. Lab rats. Oh, you think some rich assholes didn't throw money at Arcogen to pick the best embryo to take home? It's always been about control. All those tests and evaluations weren't for our health. The parents just wanted more data to make their decisions. My head spins. This is part of Mia's whacked out conspiracy theory. It has to be. But I, I can't deny. Some parts ring scarily true. My father wouldn't have wanted a sensitive boy like Terrence. My mother always praised my ambition. Until I fell short. Then their disappointment became relentless. I put a hand against the cold concrete wall to steady myself. The world shifts around me again. Just like the day when I first met Terrence. Terrence. Jesus. How is he feeling right now hearing all of this? Terrence. Sophia, Mia, told me all this before. But seeing the look on Roque's face as they hear the truth, a surge of unfamiliar anger electrifies my body. But I won't let this define me. I know what I really believe deep down. No echo is less worthy than their source. Life is unfair, sure, but it's unfair to everyone in different ways. As a therapist, I've seen inside enough other lives to know that no single choice makes or breaks a person. It often takes years in therapy to untangle someone's issues, because it takes years to twist someone up in the first place, one knot at a time. James and I are equals. Neither one of us deserve less love than the other, regardless of our life choices. But Roque doesn't have the same comparison. Roque never met their source. I glimpse the uncertainty behind Roque's eyes, and I know I have to derail their train of thought. I spit a mouthful of blood and lever myself up on one arm. It doesn't matter how we got here, Mia. We're responsible for our choices. You didn't have to kill all those people. Roque gasped. What do you... Oh, fuck. She killed Sophia? I barely have time to appreciate the clarity returning to Roque's expression before Mia pistol whips me, sending me toppling back to the floor. Oh, we're wasting time. Shall I finish removing Teabag's front teeth, Roque? Or maybe I'll go for a molar. She looms over me. Roque raises both hands. Okay, okay. The dad is upstairs, on the computer. You go first. I'll bring your partner. Roque cuts a glance my way. He's not my partner. Just then, shoes squeak against the concrete. All three of us whip around, 
James strolls out from behind a shelf, as casual as if it were a dinner party. Mia Capricorn, you're under arrest for multiple homicides. Mia points a gun at him, keeping the other trained on me. Is that so? I want to cuss out James for whatever monumentally stupid plan he must be enacting. What does he think he's doing? Barging in with no weapon or backup confronting a killer empty-handed? He's probably still high. Fucking James. At least Mia hasn't shot him yet. She only grins. Of course. She's probably insane. You've been through a lot, Mia. James probably means for his tone to be soothing, but it's completely wrong for the circumstances. I'm not saying what you did was right, but if you share your story, people will understand. <laughs> share my story? Share my fucking story? This isn't AA, you fucktard junkie. Nobody cares what I've been through. All they'll see is an echo who killed her source. You're more than that. You have your own story, James says. A flicker of something like doubt crosses her face. Then she walls it up behind a veneer of anger. No, I don't. I never have. My story revolves around Sophia. It still does. Even now. Sophia's dead. I killed her. And somehow this is still her fucking story? Just tell me why. Why what? Why did I write fuck clones all over her body? I don't know. I panicked. Or, or why did I kill her? Why shouldn't I? She killed me first. Before we were even out the womb. She killed me. James takes a sliding step toward Mia. I tense. I glance at Roke. But they don't notice. They're staring at James, intent and focus. Let me help you, James says. Mia spits. I don't need your help. Okay. What do you want? She sneers. I told you already. Roke, get me the files. She jerks with the gun, gesturing for James to move out of the way. He doesn't. Before or after you kill us. Seriously, James? If I were in good enough shape to punch him right now, I would. Do not provoke the woman with the guns. But Mia just laughs. <laughs> I'm sorry. You missed that part. Loser's choice. Do you want the fast death or the slow one? Hey, Roke, which one of these so-called men do you think will pass out first once I start pulling fingernails? I said I'd get you the data. Leave them alone. She nods at the steps. Fine. You go first. Roke steps forward, flashing me a warning look. Oh no. I open my mouth to say something. Stop them. But it's too late. James. The whole time, I don't even look at Terrence or Roke. I never take my eyes off Mia's hands. The moment Roke makes their move, throwing their weight sideways to knock Mia off balance, I lunge. I'd been agonizing about what to do until I realized the camera in Seaberg's badge was still recording. Whatever happens next, there will be tamper-proof video evidence. I just have to be in a position to witness it. Lunging forward, I grab Mia's right wrist and shove it upward, hard. 
The Glock fires into the ceiling. Terence leaps up and grabs Mia's other arm, twisting it behind her back. She yelps as Roke wrestles the other pistol out of her left hand. Mia elbows me in the face, and I drop her arm. She swings the Glock down, pulls the trigger. I've never been shot before. The bullet tears through my right thigh. I feel an incredible heat, then pain. My leg buckles. I tip sideways, grabbing whoever's within reach as I do. All four of us hit the floor. I manage to grab Mia's right wrist and smash her hand against the concrete. The Glock skitters across the room. Roke wrenches Mia's left arm even further behind her back. I feel something pop. Her left side goes limp. Terence holds the other gun now. He backs away, keeping the 3D printed pistol trained on Mia. Roke yanks Mia off me, props me up against a dusty shelf, and examines my wounded leg. Apply pressure here, they say, moving my right hand. I ignore the pain and the sensation of blood squirting through my fingers. I press down where Roke instructs, groaning as I do. Breathe, I tell myself. Just breathe. Roke looks at Terence. You got her? I got her, Terence says. Mia weeps openly now, though it's unclear if it's the pain of her dislocated shoulder or despair at her plan being ruined. Roke retrieves the Glock and presses it into my left palm. Both of you, keep an eye on her. Will do, I promise. At least the pain keeps my head clear. I'll get help, Roke straightens. Just walk out the front door. Tons of cops out there, Terrence says. Roke nods. Be right back. They go upstairs. Mia has stopped crying. She now glares daggers at me. I meet her gaze with a flinch. What are we going to do with her? Terrence asks. Mia uses her right arm to push herself into a sitting position. Yeah, James. What are you going to do? Going to talk me out of it? Or do you have the balls to actually do something? She looks at the gun and starts dragging herself across the floor toward me. Taryn steps between us. Whoa, stop! Stop! She doesn't stop. Terrence drops to his knees and grabs her left shoulder. Mia howls, but levers her body up and back, slamming into Terrence. She rolls on top of him. Stop! I keep the Glock as steady as I can, still applying pressure to my left wound with my other hand. Mia and Terrence are both on their knees, but now Mia holds a 3D printed pistol against Terrence's neck. Drop it! Or I drop your echo! She growls. Terrence locks eyes with me. I'm okay, James. I'm not afraid to die. Shut the fuck up! Still staring at Terrence, I let my arm fall. The Glock clatters to the floor. No, Mia, you don't want to kill another Echo. I'm the spoiled source. Like Sophia, I'm the one you want. Mia licks her lips. She starts chuckling. Finally, she laughs out loud. Then she stretches her left arm and raises it up. It wasn't dislocated after all. There's something in her hand. She stabs a small syringe into Terrence's neck. His face contorts, then goes slack. She lowers his limp body to the ground and shuffles forward. What? I slur. The world goes hazy at the fringes. My leg throbs, but it doesn't hurt as much anymore. 
I look down and realize my right hand lost its grip on the wound. Blood gushes freely now. Mia pokes the muzzle of her pistol into my chest. I look up again. She smiles. Oh, he'll be fine. Like you said, I don't want to kill another Echo. My people have suffered enough. With great effort, I reach for the pistol with both hands. I manage to twist the muzzle away from my chest. <gasps> Are we playing this game now? They both reach for the gun. Ooh, fun. Mia moves the pistol, dragging my arms along with it. Finally, she jams the muzzle up under my jaw. My heart beats in my throat. The world goes hazy at the edges. I'm not sure if it's shock, the bleeding, or just plain denial. I let my arms fall. I give in. That's when Mia gives a little gasp and slides the gun away, pushing it under her own chin. I blink, confused. Don't! Mia slides the nozzle back to me. <laughs> you want to be a clone just so. So what? You don't have to deal with your family or your shitty job? That's pathetic. You don't deserve any life, you original sinner. She presses the gun hard into my chest. I know why you pretended to be Terrence James. I understand wanting to inhabit another life. But his life? That spineless slug? Why? Why? I look over at Terry's unconscious body, but she presses the nozzle to the side of my face to bring me back to her. Our eyes lock. Oh my God. You do care for him. Mia moves the gun back to her neck. Instinctively, I grab the gun. We struggle, and my hands slip with sweat and blood. I'm not sure where the trigger is, whose finger is on it, which neck it's pointed at. For a second, I think this is it. I'm done. Then, Mia's eyes go glassy. I've never watched anyone die before. Her body topples sideways and smacks against the concrete. Then everything goes quiet, at least for a little while. I meet Terence's eyes. Then I hear Roque shouting, indistinct at first, but the words grow louder, clear. What did you do? They scream over and over again, echoing off the walls. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Terrence, Echo Park, August 22nd. It's two days before I see James again. When the police stormed the basement and found Mia's body, they were occupied long enough for Roque to sneak out onto the street in front of the circle and deliver a very impressive speech, preemptively calming everyone down before they rioted. The news is still replaying bits of it on James's hospital room TV when I come in. What's shaking, Tear Bear? You're pretty chipper for someone who almost died? Well, I found a new appreciation for being alive. I scan his room for medication, an IV, anything I should be worried about. I was expecting him to be doped up on pain meds for his leg. It'll take him time to heal, but that's okay, because he's also suspended from duty 
pending a full investigation into his involvement with Mia's death. Not to mention all the breaches of county protocol leading up to it. I couldn't get a read on his attitude over the text messages. But now, in the room, I'm amazed at how sober he seems to be. They don't have you on anything? I ask. James shakes his head. I told the doctors I was abusing pills. Also told the EMTs. And the nurses, I think. Pretty much everyone on the way here. I told them I wanted to quit. And that I needed help. I'm under observation now. I'm off everything. That's your first good decision in a long time. <laughs> Come on, I just got shot in the leg, which means I get a grace period. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, okay, no giving me shit until I'm all healed up. I see him smile, and I feel hopeful. For the first time, I really think he's gonna kick this addiction. So what's new with you? I've been doing rounds, focusing on the community, going out to meet Echoes I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> After everything that's happened, I can't wait around in my office for them to come to me. Right, but how are you doing, Ter? You okay? Yeah, it's, it's just been a lot these past couple of days. Well, if you want to talk, he gestures around the hospital room. You know where to find me. <laughs> it feels supremely strange that James could be the stable one while I'm flailing around. But we've both been subjected to unprecedented trauma. Maybe this is just another difference between us. How we deal with it. Leaning into either acceptance or anxiety. We shoot the shit for a little bit longer before I tell him I have an appointment to get to. That part is mostly true. Well, I'm sorry I can't stay longer, but I'll be back. Till next time, take care of yourself, Dare Bear. I think about James the whole drive home, hoping he sticks to the program, that he finds his way to the kind of life he wants to live, the kind of person he wants to become. Once I get back to Echo Park, I find Roque in the back office at the Circle Church. They've been spending a lot of time here since Mia's death. It's a crime scene, and Roque doesn't trust the police to handle it right. You busy? I ask Roque, standing in the doorway at their office. They look up from their laptop with bleary eyes. That a rhetorical question? Depends. Is yours? <sighs> We're not doing this. Just tell me what you want. I hold up the flash drive. I found this on Mia. After she... What? No, no. I should have said something sooner. Why aren't you taking this to the cops? Isn't that withholding evidence or something? I arch an eyebrow. You trust the police now? I asked Alice Virgo to look at it. It's clean, but encrypted. We can't figure out the password. Roque folds their arms on the desk. And you're making me an accomplice after the fact because... The folder is labeled Archigen Alpha. I wait for a reaction. When I don't get one, I shrug. The password prompt says, Eastern birds flap broken wings. I'm certain it's a reference to the eastern wing of the retreat, where Archigen sequestered Roque 
and the other Alpha clones during our childhood. But I wasn't an Alpha. I can't guess the answer. Roque makes a fist, then flattens it against the tabletop. Let me see it. I hand over the flash drive. Roque plugs it into the laptop, then quickly types a long password. No second guesses. Whatever the prop meant, it must be obvious to any Alpha. The screen brightens. Did it work? Roque ignores me. Their eyes scan back and forth. Their face falls. A second later, their jaw drops. Oh, fuck. My stomach knots. What is it? Roque shivers, twists the laptop screen towards me. See for yourself. At the top of the screen, I spot the Macalos Therapeutics logo. I bend down to scan the document. Phrases leap out. Reproductive cloning, somatic cells, accelerated growth, epigenetic reprogramming. I don't understand at all. They're still... experimenting? Yeah. This is a blueprint for a whole new secret program. Well, there you have it, a suitably thrilling end to a suitably thrilling tale, and one that always, and I really appreciate this, was always finding new ways to examine the main theme of nature and nurture, right? That even if you were a clone, that didn't determine who you were or the quality of your character, right? Um, Mia went one way with it, Terence goes a completely different way, um, Roque as well too, and also with James, with being an original and confronting a, uh, a copy of yourself, it, in a way it kind of it was a call to him to improve himself, which I also think is very interesting and a lot of fun and made for a great storytelling. Uh, and of course, I appreciate at the end a possible setup for a Echo Park season two. So keep your fingers crossed, tell your Echo to keep their fingers crossed, and hopefully we will have that in the near future. And speaking of which, how would you feel about a trip to Tokyo? It's a bit farther away and a very different setting than Echo Park, but for our seventh season, it sounds exactly right. So, I hope to see you there. And also, truly, from the bottom of my soul or my Echo's soul, we may never know, thank you so much for listening. It's a great pleasure and honor to be sharing these stories with you, and I look forward to seeing you for Season 7. So, until then, and after then, I'm your host, Neil Helligers, and this is Adrenaline on Realm. Take care. You're listening to Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Echo Park is a Realm production. Realm your portal to another world. Listen away. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Echo Park stars Harry Shum Jr. Written by Curtis C. Chen, Monty Lin, Millie Ho, Sloane Leong, and Jen Reese. Produced by Rhoda Belleza, Fred Greenhalge, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich. Directed by Pun Bandu. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, Julian Yap, and Harry Shum Jr. Associate produced by Michael Coulter. Starring Harry Shum Jr. and Nikki Toison. Loop Group actors David Chen, James Taku Leung, Constance Parng, and Artemis Snow. Sound design by Krista Giametti. Mixing and mastering by Rory O'Shea. Audio editing by Justin DeWald. Original score by Martin D. Fowler. Music supervision by Marcus Begala. Production manager, Alexis Latshaw. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Cover art by Kendall Thomas and Louise Daisy. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Kaylin West. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Begala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.